Welcome to the Deconstructed Woman Podcast, a podcast about breaking down barriers between women, exploring and sharing perspectives of each individual woman's experience, and discovering what we have in common and what makes us different. Hosted by Elisa Marie and Joji. Welcome back to the next episode of the Deconstructed Woman Podcast. Alyssa Marie and I today are going to be talking about the imposter syndrome. It seems to be something that is fairly common amongst women and um, I think most typically thought about as connected to work or careers. But uh, as Alyssa and I were talking, uh, she shared that it might also seep into other areas. And so I wanted to start out by asking Alyssa, um, you know, what does she think imposter syndrome is as a way to get us all on the same uh, page with this definition. So for me, I think the imposter syndrome has come up the most uh, frequently in work settings. A lot of times when, you know, you're, you have an area of expertise or an area that you consider yourself um, kind of well knowledgeable in. And I think it creeps in, in those circumstances in which you have this knowledge base and yet for some reason you doubt yourself or you are starting to question like, do I really have the expertise or do I really have the experience to do this job? And then that sort of thing. And so that's how I've seen it um, most frequently come up. But then I've also, um, as we were talking and kind of getting into this topic, I was saying that I, I think that it also comes up in my parenting and, and you know, whether I'm making the best decisions. I, I don't know, that might be like a different concept in some ways, but again, kind of, I mean, I have four kids now, and so it feels like I should kind of know how to maneuver through certain circumstances, but I still sometimes question, like, do I know what I'm doing? Uh, am I doing the right things? That that sort of concept. And so that is how it has presented for me. Uh, but again, most predominantly in the workforce, um, when, you know, somehow, some way that, that self-doubt bleeds into my work. Um, and, and that's where it becomes, uh, you know, one of those things that you have to combat at times. So basically what I hear you saying, um, and the definition I was, uh, reading a couple minutes ago said that the imposter syndrome is the faulty feeling of not measuring up or that you don't really deserve a compliment or an accomplishment. So people who are struggling with this syndrome often feel like they're a fraud. Um, and uh, feel like somebody will reveal the fact that they are not competent or deserving of either the position, the compliment, or such. Would you say that's a good definition, uh, Alyssa? Yeah, I would say that it's definitely, I mean, I don't know that it necessarily comes up in like compliments as much, but I definitely think that it's one of those circumstances in which, um, you know, you kind of have this question of, am I, do I know what I'm doing? Is this, am I, am I knowledgeable? Am I able to do this job or am I maybe underqualified? And again, you know, kind of judging, putting self judgment on yourself and, and how that pans out. Yeah. I guess, you know what, when uh, I was thinking about the word compliment, I will say that most of my life, people have told me I'm really bad at taking compliments. Um, I will say when I was um, a lot younger, I would, people would say something to me and I'd be like, oh no, that's not true. And people would say they had never met somebody 
um, who could not take a compliment with grace as much as me. Like I would almost talk them out of the compliment they gave me. So I, the compliment is real for me. That was most likely before sort of I had quote unquote a career um, when people would make comments towards me. Um, in the career sense, I know that I've struggled with um, silly things now that I look back at it, but things that really prevented me from moving on with some significant things I really wanted to try. I remember when I went to grad school, um, you know, my professors asked me if I was interested in teaching. And I said, oh, gosh, you know, I don't know enough to teach anybody anything. And that was a repeating cycle in my life. Like somebody would say, oh, you should write a book. And I would say, like, oh, what would I write about? Like, what would be so interesting that I have to share? Um, and in many ways, I feel like this podcast is a signal that I have overcome some of those issues because now I feel like, hey, I do have thoughts about a subject that I'm willing to share about. I feel like my voice is important and I do have, you know, important concepts or that um, valuable information that might touch one person and change their life. And so I do see this podcast as a symbol of uh, really overcoming some aspects of this impo imposter syndrome that I have struggled with for most of my life. Um, how about you, Alyssa? Where do you feel that you are today with the imposter syndrome or if that ever applied to you um, as seriously as I've sort of thought that I've had some issues with it? I think that it definitely creeps in and out. Um, again, for me, like, it's just there's these brief moments in which I'm like, oh, you know, there's a moment of doubt. And then I, I think that there's a lot in, particularly in my career, I have to overcome it because I, I am considered an expert in a particular field. And so if I can't answer the question, I don't know who could. And so, you know, it's it's kind of left up to me that, you know, the responsibility and the pressure is on. And I have to answer those questions that are presented to me. And I have to, you know, present uh, for various audiences and things like that. And so I think Sometimes it creeps in in a, a moment of vulnerability, but then I'm able to overcome it only by default because I have to. Um, because, you know, uh, I think the alternative would be to not do my job. So I, I but I definitely hear you and what you're saying about, um, you know, not feeling like you have something worthwhile to say and, and kind of that shift. And I think that has happened for me as well. Um, because I think I heard many probably a couple of years ago, like somebody said, you know, you might be saying something that somebody else is saying, but you're saying it your way and you're including your experiences and that's different. And so that has always resonated with me and kind of stayed with me, um, you know, throughout like when we started this podcast and that sort of thing is like, I, I might be repeating something that somebody else has said, but I'm saying it from my own experience. And hopefully like you are saying that touches somebody, somebody gets some worth out of that. So I think that it definitely um, kind of comes and goes. Uh, I, I do a lot of teaching. Um, so you're talking about teaching like I, I do. I'm an adjunct faculty um, uh, and I, I do teach. Uh, and I think that sometimes I have that moment where I'm like, do I know? Do I know what I'm talking about? Do I, you know, am I uh, well versed in this particular topic? And so I very I'm very particular about what classes I will teach because I want to make sure that I'm very knowledgeable of the information. 
Um, but I have also gone outside of my comfort zone at times and said, you know what, let's let's try this. I I have been doing this for 10 plus years. I know the material. I can do this. Uh, but I think, again, that that self-doubt will seep in at times. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I I'm not sure that I know what I'm doing. But uh, again, you know, if I've signed up for a class and I said I'm going to teach it, I got to I have to do I have to fulfill that responsibility. So I think I'm able to overcome it by the mere fact that my responsibilities and people are paying me to do these things. So I have to kind of like talk myself into it. Otherwise, you know, I, I would just be a fraud. And I think that that's like the, you know, kind of going back to the definition of imposter syndrome, that's, that's very much what it feels like. Well, one of the things that I kept reading about when I was um, doing some research on this topic was that some of this, you know, the imposter syndrome is sort of like a sister uh, syndrome to generalized anxiety disorder. And I definitely can see the connection between the two of those. I do feel like, as I heard you talking, that sometimes when we give into that negative self-talk or anxiety, that can really mobilize us and make us question our ability to be successful in something. And so I do feel like once we get a handle on that, you know, that anxiety, then usually things will come back together and we will perform as we know we can. And that's what I've really found is that once the uh, initial anxiety is reduced, then I take over because I do feel confident about lots of things that I may not, you know, put on my resume or things like that. But I do feel like once I block that noise of self-doubt, then I can perform at the level that I can and will be successful. And so do you do you feel that uh, there, you know, for you, do you feel like there's a connection between anxiety and imposter syndrome or a feeling like a fraud? Or do you think that maybe it is related to something different for you? Yeah, I would say for me, 100 percent, it's related to anxiety, because I think that that's like the primary feeling that comes out of it. So again, like I'll be sitting in my office and all of a sudden I'll get a case or, you know, a situation where I'm like, okay, what do I do with this? And they're just like this, this wave of anxiety comes over me of like, I don't know how to do this. Maybe I'm, you know, this is too complex. I shouldn't take this case or whatever the circumstances are. And, and again, it's like in that moment, it's a horrible feeling because it really is just like, oh my gosh, like, what am I even doing with my life? Like it could spiral out very quickly. And so like you were saying, you kind of have to rein it in, you have to bring it back to the, to the, you know, where am I right now? Like ground yourself so that you can be able to be like, no, okay, I can do this. Let's break it down. Let's figure out what's step one, like all of that self-talk that kind of gets you out of that cycle. Uh, but I think that initial anxiety is really what fuels it. And it really is such a hard thing to overcome. And I imagine for some people, like that spiraling down, like just keeps going. And if you can't, you know, put something in its place. Like, I think that can really stop you from doing the things that really are going to, you know, kind of jumpstart you or, you know, push you into the next level. Um, and, and so I know that we have talked about like, you know, women in the workforce and what that looks like, but I think that this is one of those instances where it can be a barrier for, for many people 
to really uh, go for, say, you know, that promotion or to take on, um, you know, a challenging case or circumstance because they're afraid of, you know, what if I fail? Um, and I, I think that that's, you know, all of that really is that self-doubt, but that's anxiety too. I mean, I think that that's definitely linked to it and it's such a hard thing to overcome. And I know for me, I've just had to push through because there really isn't, you know, like, I, I don't think I could ever go to my boss and be like, Hey, I don't think I can do this. Uh, I I'm pretty sure her response would be, you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> so I don't know that I would have the option to you know, kind of push it back in some ways. But I think for other individuals, um, it it's just so hard to overcome that concept and be able to say, no, I can do this. Um, and it, it might take a little bit of time because uh, I don't want to ever sit here and say like, you know, I just kind of switch it off and, and go. It, it might take me a day or two for me to really wrap my head around, okay, I got this. Like, it's okay. Like, I think that in some ways, it can be good in that you're kind of reality checking yourself of where am I at right now? But at the same time, it can be negative or, a, a, you know, a hindrance to your excelling if you let it. The other thing I was thinking about when you were talking, Alyssa, is why is it that this creeps in into the areas of our life that we have success in already? But why is it that it's like if somebody asked me how to design a house, I'd be like, well, I don't know how to do that. Like, I have no experience doing that. Right. But if people ask me about something that I do every day or we go to work and we perform at a pretty high level, then why is it that we doubt ourselves in a situation where we have a proven record? Isn't that odd to you? It's like, gosh, you have three kids and a baby now. I mean, you're an expert in parenting. Why would you ever feel like you don't have it under total control, you know? And so I do think that it's ironic that we are more focused on things that we're good at or we have experience in versus something that we have nothing to do with. I mean, why would we much rather concede that we don't have experience in something or we don't know exactly that information or, you know, I could get back to you on this information, but yet second guess ourselves when it comes to something we do all day long every day. I think that's so strange. Yeah, I, I, it's, it is really like a strange phenomenon. I don't know what the answer is. I'm curious to like, you know, we'll have to delve a little bit deeper for that one because it is, it, I mean, that genuinely is what happens is, you know, the day-to-day -day work that we do or our identity or how we view ourselves, like that's where the self-doubt creeps in. Maybe because, you know, somebody just says something off the cusp and all of a sudden that kind of like shifts everything. You're like, oh, maybe I don't know what I'm doing or, you know, maybe I am not doing this the way that I should be. I mean, I think that there's a lot of you know, factors that play into that. Um, but it, it definitely is an odd phenomenon because it definitely should be that those are the things we are more confident in. But I think that that is definitely where it creeps in most for me is the thing I do day in and day out. And and for some reason, I am concerned about, uh, do I know what I'm doing? Even though the logical answer is yes. You know, there's a lot of uh, ties into like family expectation of achievement or um, perfectionism, uh, per being a perfectionist and how that ties into this syndrome. Um, I, I, I know that uh, my parents expected all of us kids to be successful and in very specific ways 
of how they define success. And in certain ways, I can see the connection between trying to meet expectations or high expectations of my parents to be, quote unquote, successful in the career areas that they deem maybe high status or what is rewarded in society, whether it's rank or title or economics or things like that. Um, but I and I but I at the same time don't want to put it all on on them as parents either. And so uh, I wonder what you think about that. Uh, and now that we both are parents as well, and think about the fact that we could be influencing the way our children um, are conceiving their own self concept. I think there's a little bit of a double edge to that today for me anyway. Um, your kids are still very young, but. Where do you think the interplay between our parents or parenting and the idea of instilling some anxiety or um, creating self-doubt with our children lies? Well, it's interesting because I was actually just listening to a podcast uh, earlier today. Um, Hunter Clark Fields, who uh, she's the mindful mama, um, and she she does a lot of um, discussions on like mindfulness and parenting and whatnot. And she was interviewing a clinical psychologist and they were actually talking about how um, you should show imperfections to your children or you should show that you are real uh, because if you try to be a perfect parent, quote unquote, uh, you are actually perpetuating that the fact that your children will then try to emulate that in their lives, in their adulthood later on. And so it was kind of this domino effect of if if I am trying to be perfect and try to not show them my my uh faults or areas in which I'm not you know the best in then I shield them from that but at the same time I'm not um genuine in how I'm presenting to them or how I'm you know showing up and then that's going to perpetuate perfectionism in them um so I was just listening to that earlier today but I, I think kind of going back to your question like I think that um, I mean, I know that for me, I came from a family that was very much emphasized, you know, perfectionism and working hard and, you know, aspiring to be the best that you can be and all of that, which I think are, are great characteristics. But I think that it also probably plays into that anxiety that we were just talking about, that there are times where because I'm I want to be the best um, that I fear, again, that failure and and failure is a part of life and it is a part of what you know what we who we are and I think that as I get older and as I get more seasoned in my career there are times where I recognize okay I might fail at this but that's okay and I think that that is a coming of age type of mentality as well and not one that I necessarily had 10 years ago but I think that I am embracing that a little bit more because through those failures, through those situations in which I find myself, you know, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't do this perfectly, or I didn't do this as well as I could. Those are also learning experiences. And I have learned so much over the years, because of those failures, if you will. Um, and, and so I think that that also comes with age and comes with experience to be able to say, it's okay, if I fail. Um, but I think that it, it doesn't lessen the imposter syndrome that does creep in from time to time, maybe as a result of those experiences as well. Yeah, I agree with you. As you were talking, I was thinking about 
all these things were flashing in my mind. You know, uh, I remember being in high school and uh, trying to talk to my dad about things that um, he could change or like I was trying to influence some of his thinking. And he would always say to me, like, you can't teach a new dog, an old dog, new tricks. And um, and just really holding firm to the fact that, A, there was nothing to learn from me and B, that he was right and I was wrong. And I remember that left a pretty lasting impression on me as a child. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't want my kids to ever feel like I'm perfect and that there's nothing for me to learn from them. And I remember um, so often, like also hearing that I agree with everything that the podcast that you listen to today, looking back at 27 years of being a mom, I definitely think that it is the best advice ever to share your failures with your children, as well as to say you're sorry and apologize to them when you make a mistake. Because I think that shifts, um, you know, because you do have to be real to them and they need to know that if grownups can make mistakes, it's okay for them to make mistakes too. And it was probably one of the most valuable things. And I think the fear that we have as parents is that our kids won't respect us as adults or as parents. And I think they actually respect you more because when you teach them that you as an adult can fail or make a mistake, then they realize that they're not being held to some standard that they're never going to reach. And I think that is a fear that every child has. And so I can definitely say, looking back, I'm very glad that I adopted that style because it was definitely something very, very important. The one thing my daughter said to me at one time was when we had to put one of our dogs down, I cried like a baby. And my daughter said to me, mom, I've never seen you cry like that really hurt you. And I think she was probably um, maybe seven or eight. And I'm not a crier. I typically don't wear my um, emotions on my sleeve. I don't think I had ever tried to protect her from my crying. I'm just not naturally a very emotional person in that manner. And so when she said that to me, I thought to myself, boy, you know, like she does absorb everything around me. Like I didn't realize that. And so I definitely agree with, um, you know, your what you learned today. And I also reflected on like the fact that that's burned in my memory of what my dad said and how frustrated I was, you know, throughout my lifetime with being able to think, well, you know, I can never, you know, like even glaciers change the landscape, but I can't change my dad or he's not open to what I'm saying. And it really frustrated me quite a bit. So I don't know if the two of those things tie together, but anyway, those are the things that flashed in my mind when you were talking um, beforehand. So I apologize if I went off on a tangent, but it seemed rele uh, relevant to me when you were talking. So hopefully there's some connection there. No, I think there is. I think that it's one of those situations where, you know, uh, it's, it, I think that even the imposter syndrome has the ability if you know, because one of the things that I will also say is that when I when that comes in, when it creeps in, a lot of times I have that conversation with my coworkers. Like I'm really feeling uh, really inadequate right now, and I think that maybe ten years ago I would have shielded that, or I wouldn't have shared that with anybody. But now I'm like I'm having this moment, and a lot of times you know we can talk through it, and they're like, no, you know, you know what you're doing, and they kind of you know encourage me too, and so. I think that it does come with time of being able to say, I'm really struggling with this. I, I'm really feeling inadequate. But then 
not just like keeping it to yourself, because I think that that maybe even perpetuates it further to the point where you then aren't able to get out of that cycle. And so I think that not only do I try to, I mean, by default, my my children see my faults every single day because uh, I'm still working through, you know, trying to be a more calm parent um, from time to time. But also in my workplace, I, I admit to those times where I feel less than and, um, you know, and so my coworkers are aware of that and they are there to kind of encourage me. And I have the luxury of having a very supportive team who says, you know, no, you can do this, um, which I think also genuinely helps me to kind of push through that as well. Yeah. The other thing I thought about when I was reading some articles about this, uh, which I will do my best to uh, link to this podcast, and I know I've fallen short of that in the past, so I apologize. But one of the things that they also tied together was the idea of luck uh, versus skill and the imposter syndrome. So when things go really well, we think we're lucky. Um, And when things go bad, then our self-talk and our negative um, self-talk takes over for us. And so that is really something that I have tried to um, almost downplay is even using the word lucky, because I do feel that as women, as adults, as successful people, we need to own our authority and our power. And I think when I was younger, I used to be like, oh, I got so lucky or oh, everything was related to luck and those of us in, in counseling and psychology know about the internal and external locus of control and the fact that if you think luck is related to external event, then you as an individual don't have control over sort of the outcome, right? And so I've been really working hard to say, you know, that wasn't luck. That really was a strategy. It was, you know, things that I worked at, chipping away at some skill set and really downplaying the fact that luck had anything to do with it. Because most of the time, it is really our work effort that creates a successful outcome. It's not luck and it's not by chance and things like that. So what do you think about luck and, and how do you perceive luck playing into success or failures, um, Alyssa? Yeah, I know. I mean, luck, I, I don't really use that word too much or I don't really use that phrasing. So I think for me, I probably maybe thought about it earlier in life, like, oh, I just got lucky, um, you know, when I would get probably very early on, like my first couple of jobs, like, oh, you know, or my, um, when I was doing internship and, and placements and stuff like that, where it was like, oh, you know, I got lucky that I got this placement. Um, but I think, again, as as I got older, I realized, well, it wasn't as much luck as like, I'm qualified for this. Um, so I think that I definitely can relate in that it probably was a very early on mentality uh, but it has shifted over the years as I'm kind of working to kind of come into my own and and kind of feel, you know, feel grounded in what I do and all of that. But I, I definitely think that it can play a significant role. And, and really, you know, people use it to downplay like, oh, I just got lucky, you know, as if like that that's all that it was versus, you know, an actual effort. And I definitely can see how that then plays into the imposter syndrome. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like as we've gotten older, uh, it becomes less. I mean, when you're younger and you're more insecure, you don't have a track record. I think things are a lot more anxiety producing and and fear inducing. And as you have, you know, changed jobs or you get promotions or you're responsible for more staff or, you know, you're 
you win awards or you're highlighted for certain skills. I do feel like all of those things do help us feel more secure as a person, as an employee, as a parent, um, all those different things. I do feel like before we end this conversation, we should talk about how to overcome imposter syndrome for anybody who's struggling with it. We've talked about a couple different things. I mean, definitely, you know, working on anxiety and, and, and reducing that feeling of self-doubt and taking a step back and being able to calm your mind to be able to focus on what you need to do. Uh, definitely thinking about what are the strengths that you bring to a different situation, you know, that you're finding yourself in and your track record of being successful in similar situations. Definitely, I'm just throwing things out there. Alyssa, feel free to jump in. Uh, changing, you know, the tape in your head and finding positive things to say about yourself so that that negative tape is not always playing and making you create self-doubt in yourself. Um Anything else you can add to that list? I guess I ran out of my ideas. <laughs> I would say, I mean, I think I, I would be, a, a, you know, again, on the same lines. I think that the anxiety is probably the crux of it. And so it's about reducing that. It's about, um, so the couple of things that I had might mention of, like talking about it, not just kind of keeping it to yourself and letting it, you know, ruminate in your mind, but really like putting it out there and you know, if you have a good social support or people who you can turn to being able to say, like, I feel like I'm failing right now. Like, I think some of my best conversations with others and like where I really connected with them is when I've said, like, I feel like I'm failing and, you know, owning that versus seeing that as a weakness. Um, so I think that that's definitely a way to counteract it is to just call it out and say, this is how I'm feeling. And then to really take the time to break that down and and like I don't know if you want to analyze it or you know for some people it might just be like I'm just going to name it and leave it there and move on um but I definitely think that that's a way to kind of provide yourself with that space to be able to say I'm struggling but you know okay what's next step and I think that's what I do a lot of times is like okay that's I'm feeling like I'm failing or I feel like I'm an imposter I don't really know what I'm doing in this particular situation. And then somebody says, no, you got this. And then I, I kind of have to go in back to that self-talk and say, okay, I got this. What can I do to educate myself more? I'm, you know, I'm constantly learning more things, listening to podcasts, reading articles, reading books. Like for me, absorbing like knowledge is power. And so I'm constantly looking for additional information to kind of get myself up to speed if it's something I don't know anything about or not as much as I think I should. So I think that those are all ways, but I definitely think that, you know, managing the anxiety is step one. And then talking about it, getting it out there is probably, you know, in the realm of ways to kind of counteract it. Yeah, as you were talking, I was also thinking about catastrophizing. I do think those of us who you know, uh, understand our own anxiety level. I think when you're in that moment of anxiety, you feel like everything is going to fall apart, you know? And, and I think the one thing I can clearly say is, is that it is a rare incidence where things are going to come to our screeching halt. Nothing we do is so important that the world as we know it is going to be changed by some mistake that we make. And I do feel like there was a time in my life where I was so overwhelmed with that reality that I would set myself up to fail because I was so afraid of what the outcome was. And realistically, there's nothing 
that I have that much power over that is going to really be devastating to anyone in most of these situations. And I'm talking about parenting. I'm talking about work. I'm talking about relationships. You know, you can always say, I'm sorry. You can always go back and fix it. You can always go back and try to make up for what you've done. So I do believe that part of it is just being honest about the fact that we are not that all-knowing, all-powerful person. We are, um, you know, imperfect. And so you sort of have to embrace that and know with imperfection comes an opportunity to always go back and make things better. And so I do feel like for those perfectionists out there, you know, please know that, you know, the only person holding you to that standard is really you. And you can relax that and join the rest of us in the real world and realize that nobody is perfect. And uh, if anybody says they are perfect, then they're delusional, not just a fraud. But um, and so, you know, catch yourself a break and and do the best you can and go back and redo it if you have to in the future. And so, I don't know, I feel like we're at the end of our conversation, Alyssa. Any final thoughts? Or you can close us out. Uh, yeah, and I didn't have any final thoughts aside from just saying, uh, you know, I, I agree 100%. I'm, I was over here nodding my head um, to everything that you were saying, uh, because I definitely think that, yeah, perfectionism is, uh, that might be another topic for another day, but I think that it definitely um, has had a place in my life and in my career and all the things but I think that there is definitely a way to counteract that if you you know can sit down and really break that down into what what's underneath that what what are you afraid of um and kind of going from there but I think that uh you know hopefully this has kind of touched on the imposter syndrome and some ideas around you know what to do with it and what what it is what to do with it how it's impacted us um, and so we welcome your insights and thoughts. As always, uh, you can reach us at thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com, um, as well as our Facebook page where we post uh, our episodes each time that they're published so that you can get them. But the best way to get uh, notifications is to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the information as the pod, the new episodes come out, you'll get notifications right away. Um, and please do feel free to touch base with us. Let us know what your thoughts are. How has the imposter syndrome impacted you? And we would love to hear from you as always um, as we kind of wrap up this topic. So thank you again for listening in and we hope to uh, touch base and talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Deconstructed Woman. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, rate this episode, or subscribe to be notified of all new content. We want to hear from you, our listener. Do you have thoughts on the discussions we're having? Want to share topic suggestions? Or want to join us for a topic that you're passionate about? Contact us at our email address, thedeconstructedwoman at gmail.com. Thank you.